Hello, I'm Dylan. And I'm Keon. And this is Zenith, that podcast where we're overstressed and overworked because this week we watched Horizon. Written by Alan Pryor. Directed by Jonathan Wright Miller. And aired on January 30th, 1979. Yeah, so once again, another episode aired during the airing of Armageddon Factor over on uh, Doctor Who. Right, again, my favorite Doctor Who story of all time. As you'll probably mention every every time time. Armageddon Factor comes up, which hopefully is only for another week. I I think it's for two, actually. Yeah, if you haven't watched Armageddon Factor, you know, go and do yourself a favor and and watch it. Do yourself a favor and don't watch it. Do yourself a favor and just listen to our podcast episode on it and then just don't watch it. No, but once they listen, once they find out about what's, what it's about... Once they listen to our episode, they won't watch <laughs> it. Go, they won't want to watch, watch it. it. Well, that's up for them to decide. <clears throat> like how we're referring to the audience as this shapeless them that's just like out there yeah, somewhere. They're the, they're the uh, ever-ambiguous they. <laughs> they're the royal they. Anyway, the story begins with this really, really weird shot that I am 110% certain only exists to get this episode up to 48 minutes, because it's just a shot of the Liberator flying through space, and then it's just a shot of space with Villa's face imposed over it, and then Jenna's face (laughs) imposed over it, and then it cuts to the inside of the Liberator. And I'm sure that scene only exists to add like 30 seconds to the story. Right, and I mean, this this isn't really a Jenna episode. It's not a Villa episode (laughs) at all. So, so, oh god! You really wonder why they chose those two because then it starts with this is more it starts a, with Blake talking with Callie, right? This is, I mean, this is more of a row episode than any of them, really. I mean, if you can even say this is this is an episode for anyone on the Liberator, it's Blake, probably. Yeah, Blake and Avon. Yeah, Blake and Avon. But isn't every episode just an Avon episode? I guess. Anyway, we didn't mention that this is the first episode not really written by Terry Nation or Chris Boucher. The yeah. Terry Nation were all of season one, but Chris Boucher was probably responsible for a lot of the actual direct script of the latter episodes. And then Chris Boucher also wrote last week's story and the one before that. And this is Alan Pryor now. Yeah, apparently Alan Pryor is the third most proficient writer for this. or Prolific. Prolific, sorry. Prolific writer for the show. Might also be the third most proficient. <laughs> we don't know. I mean, so far... <laughs> uh, yeah, actually, I think Terry's Terry... produced... Terry's track record... I mean, this is just one... I thought this story was pretty good, not the best, but this so this is just one like good story, whereas Terry has some great ones and also some pretty bad ones. Yeah, well, the beginning of the season, what was it called? No, uh, Del- no it wasn't, wasn't Deliverance, it was Redemption. Redemption. Anyway, so then Blake Orac. is like, so Callie, what's causing my headaches and your pain? Callie's like, the same as everyone else, we're all overstressed. We've basically faced crises after crises for like three six months straight with no rest we're basically living off of adrenaline and sleeping pills we need rest blake blake's like no that couldn't possibly be the case (laughs) callie's like why do you why do you even keep me around you don't even listen to my medical advice she doesn't say that but you can see it on her face right callie has sort of become the ship medic even though she was never really introduced as a medic which is a good role for her i guess yeah. Because otherwise she's just the psychic. <laughs> the ship psychic, yeah. But but I mean, of course, Blake is just completely dismissing all of this. <laughs> this episode, more so than any other, um, highlights how awful Blake is of a leader. <laughs> yeah, because then they f- they see a Federation transport that's going to crash with them, and then they just do evasive maneuvers, and Blake's like, let's follow them. <laughs> and Callie's like, we need rest, Blake. I-, I think Avon is like, no, let's not follow them. And Blake's like, why not? I'm curious. And every. <laughs> 
Avon and uh, I think Villa as well go like, oh, great. That's a great reason to just follow them. <laughs> Meanwhile, wait, let me get out my notes. I didn't have notes for this, so. <clears throat> Meanwhile, you know, they all sort of chime in about how they're they're tired or whatever. <laughs> and then, Gan, okay, Gan is in a completely different room. And we'll talk about what Gan is up to in this episode in a little bit. But the, the, the line they give Gan here is, aren't we all? And it just comes from off screen. <laughs> oh, God. Yeah, so like I was talking about last week, there was a shuffling of episode orders. This episode was actually supposed to take place after next week's episode. And in reading in which that, something happens to Gan. Yeah, I was reading that this week, like yesterday, after watching the story, and I completely spoiled what happens to Gan next yeah. week. Like, damn. I mean, I've known since before I even watched episode one, but <laughs> yeah, yeah, but Gan we won't is not spoil it. But then again, okay, yeah, we won't, we won't talk about it until next week. We can also probably announce that next week we're going to be joined by Sergeant Drano. That's basically set in stone at this point. So. Right. If you don't know, Sergeant Drano is basically emails us every week. Mm-hmm. So uh, he's going to be on the show next week. Yeah. And if you want to be on the show like him, just email us and you probably will be. <laughs> <laughs> well, <laughs> well, let's not make it too much of an open call. We'll assess the situation, then you'll probably be on the show. <clears throat> let's pretend like we have at least some standards here. <laughs> And okay, and the worst thing, though, about Gan's line here is that Jenna actually just completely cuts him off and steps on the end of his line. <laughs> There's no reason for her to either. They were clearly running out of, like, material at the end of this episode, and they really could have just j- moved really Jenna's just told, line, like, whoever, an extra 20 frames later and been okay. Really just told whoever played Roe to really draw out his lines and just dwell on his words as much as possible. <laughs> So no, Ro was good. they follow this transport ship and then Orak is like, hey, it only goes to this planet called Horizon once every year. <laughs> and Blake's like, see, it could be a good place to like rest and hide out. And Avon's like, in what <laughs> universe does that make sense? We could go to a planet they never go to and rest there, but why? <laughs> um, I've been listening to Blake 7 in character, which is another new Blake 7 podcast that talks about the characters of Blake 7. So each episode, they focus on a character. Their most recent episode, as of this recording, is about Kozer, who we covered last week in... What was it called? I forget what it was called. Sh- not Shadow. Uh, the one after Shadow. It was called Weapon. Oh, Weapon, weapon right, because it had a weapon in it. Um, and <laughs> Should have guessed. This, is, this isn't what I want to mention, but it's also a good time to mention that we didn't remember, I guess, when we watched Weapon, that Imipak gives you a code for specific people so you can kill specific people with regardless of the range thing which is why travis doesn't just keel over right then and there when she yeah. when servaline activates it right next to him right but blake seven in character also talks about god now i'm forgetting what i was actually wanting to say oh right they talk about how avon is how at least they consider avon the voice one the voice of reason on the liberator which is sometimes true in, i think mm-hmm. and also a sort of stand-in for what the audience is typically thinking, which I agree with far less. Although in episode, this episode, I basically agree with it completely, especially when he's talking to Orak later. And as Orak was, I was was speaking, I actually just put my head in my hands and said, "Just shut up, Orak." And then two, not two seconds later, Yvonne was like, "Shut up, Orak." <laughs> but yeah, that's just a little aside. They follow Blake's plan, even Jenna who's been totally on board with Blake for the most part until now, is not really a fan of this plan. 
No, because Blake's plan is like, let's beam down you and me, Jenna. Let's go. Right. And they go to the teleporter room and Jenna wonders why Blake wants to take her. And he basically says, because Avon wouldn't dare steal the Liberator without an ace pilot like you. Yeah. <laughs> Meanwhile, as we Avon find walks into the room and he's like, yeah, that's basically true. <laughs> and so they teleport down and then Avon asks Orak if he could pilot the ship along. <laughs> Orak's like, yeah, probably. <laughs> Meanwhile, Villa has bad stomach cramps, so Callie gives him some Soma. Yeah, that's the, the like, other drug that they're basically living off of, and Callie's like, we right. don't have enough of a supply to last us anymore. And Soma is actually, a, like, a real-world mythological drink, mm-hmm. which is like a, it's like a cure-all type thing, but I, they're reusing, it's, they're reusing the, the name, at least, for this drug that just mm-hmm. heals you, I guess. Because Villa, uh, Villa then passes out the first of two characters to pass out in this story <laughs> villa anyway, wakes up later though yeah yeah anyway blake and jenna are down on the planet i i the, the sets for this planet didn't look great honestly but it's just another rock quarry if we're going to be honest i mean no it's actually not it's it looks sort of tropical almost because it's a tropical rock quarry <laughs> <laughs> but i mean i liked it we haven't really gotten any tropical planets we've mostly just got rock quarries and mm-hmm. beaches yeah so looks kind of good. I thought the the palace or whatever that was that they were in looked pretty all right too. It looked almost like the Silurian base from ten years before this. <laughs> the Silurian base. <clears throat> yeah, the the like torture room doesn't look super great in my opinion. No, none of it looks really. It does that remind good. me a lot of like um, Temple of Doom though. Yeah, like a much lower, lower budget, budget one version, but, right? So Blake and Jenna just basically immediately get captured because they thought there was no Federation pre- presence on the planet. Turns out they were completely wrong. Yeah, they walk like two steps and they get darted. Yeah. So they get brought into this room with... So there's Ro, who was the original leader of the planet, who's like now is like a puppet leader for the Federation, kind of like what they wanted to do with President What's-His-Name in that story last season with the castle. Right, Bounty. Kind of, Yeah, kind of like yeah. what they want to do with that president in, in Bounty. And so there's Ro, and then there's the commissar and uh, commissar commissioner. Commissar? I don't remember, even though I just watched it a couple hours ago. Commissar, sorry, yeah, commissar. And then the assistant commissar, and they're like the head Federation people on the planet. They're they're his advisors. We can sort of explain some of their backstory now because it makes sense to to do it now. Although this this is sort of dispersed through the entire episode, you learn this as you watch. So Ro Ro's father was not, I guess on board with the Federation, you know, basically ruling his planet. So they mm-hmm. had him killed, although Ro, Ro doesn't know that. Ro is a lot more receptive, and he's basically being controlled by these two guys, the Commissar and this other guy. And mm-hmm. he, uh, you know, he calls his own people primitives. So, you know, he's he's their leader. He's one of them. But he, he dresses like the Federation and acts like a Federation person, mm-hmm. person from the Federation. So I, I thought that dynamic was interesting. So yeah. Again, sort of similar to what they set up in Bounty, but uh, actually delving into rather the af- rather than the aftermath of it, mm-hmm. you know what the Federation actually does. But what's also interesting about this, I think, is that these two Federation guys are really out of touch with with what's happening in the Federation itself. They don't really know who Blake is to to the extent that other people have. They kind of know who he is, yeah. and. You know, you can see this actually a lot in real world stuff, especially if you read like Caribbean literature and stuff or just know the history of it. You know, the colonizers 
British colonizers of other places, uh, the Caribbean, uh, South Asia as well, are treated as, they, they definitely treat the people they're colonizing as lesser than them. But then, yeah. well, you know, when they report back or go back to Britain or whatever, uh, they're also treated as somehow lesser than, you know, the people who actually live in Britain or in this case, the Federation. So you kind of get that sense here, mm-hmm. which is interesting to me. Yeah, I mean, there's been before, uh, you know, like we said in Shadow, there's been a lot of real world parallels between the Federation and like colonial or colonizing powers in the real world. I mean, the United States, whether you deny it or not, was definitely a colonial power in some aspect. And in some fighting, ways still yeah. is. And in many ways still is. And, you know, in Shadow, they were f- there's definite analogs between funding the Terra Nostra and, and you know, like the... Iran-Contra affair. And then in this, there's definite parallels between the Federation installing this puppet leader and between, like, you know, Britain colonizing, you know, like the Caribbean and India and <clears throat> and those places. So, I mean, those real-world parallels, I think, are obvious to some extent, but not so obvious that they're, like, overbearing or ruin the story. I think they, they put, like, a pretty... Uh, I think they put a pretty deft touch on them, I think, in my opinion. Because uh, I think, sure. I, well, because I think it's, I, I just think it's easy with topics like that to go really overboard or over the top with the parallels and like beating you over the head, kind of like uh, you know, in Doctor Who in the second Peladon story where Sarah Jane spends five minutes explaining <laughs> to the king why feminism is good, right? The blood licking in the two doctors. Yeah, and the blood lick. So I think it's like you know, especially with sensitive topics like colonialism, it's easy to go over the top. But I think they 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 do it pretty well in this show so far. Sure, I mean. The the biggest thing you want to do, it's it's TV right so mm-hmm. the biggest thing you want to do is make it entertaining so it's, at the end of the day for me if it's entertaining it's good and this yeah. was entertaining so you know I enjoyed it yeah and I think I mean that's kind of what I'm saying is that if you go too overboard then it like detracts from the entertainment it. of the story kind sure of. yeah <clears throat> anyway so yeah Blake and Jenny get captured and they start getting tortured and Blake starts telling Ro about how they tried to condition him but. When he broke the conditioning, they basically threw him in jail and framed him for a bunch of crimes. And Rose like, "Wait, what?" <laughs> I forget why, but the uh, the commissar and the other dude sort of leave, and that's when um, Blake tells Roe that one of his friends, who was supposedly sent off for training or of some sort by the Federation, was actually on the prison ship in Two Cygnus Alpha in the way back or uh, Spacefall, not the way back or mm-hmm. Cygnus Alpha, but he was going to Cygnus Alpha with Blake. Mm-hmm. Rose like that's impossible. He was sent for training or whatever he says. Yeah, and Blake's like, yeah. Well, by the way, Cygnus Alpha is a prison planet. Also, by the way, it's not really a prison planet. It's just a cult run by Brian Blessed. <laughs> Since we killed him, so don't really know what it is now. Probably just anarchy, or they all just died. It would be really interesting if, like, in the final season, series D, maybe they went back to Cygnus Alpha and it just developed into an entirely different culture. Where it's like actually developed its Just own civilization, yeah, like a utopia of some sort. <laughs> no, like wow, we did something good. I would highly doubt that that's going to happen. I would doubt it would happen, but I think it would be cool if it did. Yeah, yeah, it would. Anyway, this is where Roe starts to have doubts. Although you get the feeling that he had some doubts beforehand. Well, yeah, <laughs> he, he killed his father or whatever. Yeah, he was uh, one of the commissar says he was uh, you know the top student and has given up his savage ways or whatever. Yeah, eventually, at some point, I think it's like now, Ro makes a decision and the commissar questions him on it. And then Ro's like, you want me to start acting like a leader? But then when I do, you question my every move. What do you want from me? Right, because the commissar and the other guy um, put up this front where Ro is, you know, still in charge and making all the decisions. 
Um, Except but, he's not really. Yeah, he's it's not the, really. the commissar is the one in power. Yeah. So Blake and Jenna get sent down to the mines because they mine like the super rare mineral on this planet, Monopazium 239. Right, which is going to help the Federation get past Horizon because Horizon is like on the far reaches of the Federation. Mm hmm. And they apparently need this ore, which is found here and on one other planet, to get any farther for some reason. So We also forgot to mention there's like a, a magnetic force barrier around oh, yeah. the planet. And there's a scene where they, they go through it and then they just survive completely okay. The Liberator that it survives completely okay because their own force wall, a.k.a. shield, was up. Blake's like, yep, see, told you we'd be fine. And Avon was like, if we didn't have that shield up, we'd all be dead right now. And the Liberator would be a smoldering pile of debris. Yeah, because I think that's what happened to the transport ship. Or the transport ship got, like, badly damaged. And Avon was like, that could have been us. But he was like, yeah, well, it's not, so we're going to go down. But we also didn't mention Horizon is the name that the Federation gave this planet. They had mm -hmm. their own name, which I forgot. And, yeah, that's all I wanted to mention. Yeah, so then Callie, well, Callie starts to get concerned. So she goes down with yeah, they were Villa and Gan, I think, They were right? supposed to, no, Villa and Gan go down by themselves first. They were supposed to contact oh, them right. every couple of minutes. First. And Callie was like, they haven't contacted us in way longer than they said they would. And Avon was like, yeah, they're probably dead. Let's leave. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, Avon's like really adamant about leaving in this story. Yeah, again, this is kind of weird. Series B has been a little weird for Avon because it felt like in Series A, he progressed from wanting to just leave either kill Blake and take the Liberator or just ditch Blake in mm -hmm. general to, over the course of that season, to, you know, being sort of on board, like breakdown. He comes back for them in the end. Yeah. Whereas in this, it seems he seems to have taken a another turn back to where he came from, which might have to do with Blake getting more dumb. I don't know what the right word is. But more reckless. More reckless, right. I think Blake just really wants to take down the Federation and realizes that he hasn't really done anything of note on screen, that is. Yeah, probably. I, I mean, according to other characters, he's this super big resistance leader who's inspired millions or whatever, but we haven't really seen that in his No, we just see him screen. bumbling around and like barely surviving multiple encounters. Right. Probably why they're so stressed. They almost die every week. So, so then, yeah, so Villa and Gang go down. Callie's like, you guys go down and uh, find out where they are. And they instantly just get captured. <laughs> In the same exact way. Because <laughs> there's like a camera, apparently, that's like It's in the plant. Yeah, yeah. It's, it's, it's disguised as a plant. Although not very well, because it's like, there's this eye stock thing that just comes out and takes a look. So Villa gets shot by a dart and gets knocked out. And Gan gets shot by the same dart, but I guess <laughs> since he's like twice as big as anyone else, just he's able to... Because the, the dart just knocks down Villa, Blake, and Jenna immediately. But Gan, like, stumbles around for a couple seconds before getting knocked out. Mm -hmm. Gan spends the rest of the episode in a coma, <laughs> basically. And again, this is... Because they hit him with a second dart to make I him go don't, down. I don't remember. They do something, but he doesn't wake up when they go to torture him. He's just <laughs> not... He's just out for the rest of the story. <laughs> the guy torturing him, he's like, hey, torture doesn't actually work if they're knocked out. No, no, he doesn't say that. Rose like, well, we can make it work anyway. <laughs> but yeah, this is also just a result of Gan not really being planned to be in this episode. <laughs> Not that they've really... not Plans for Gan to no, go past one episode? No, I mean, yeah. Basically, not that Gan was even a big part of the episodes he was planned to be in. Which is yeah. a shame, because Gan is actually in concept. Gan is one of the most interesting characters, potentially. Yeah, in concept. The unfortunate thing is that the show 
ditched that concept. And also, like we mentioned last week, there was that time David Jackson handed Chris Boucher that note that said four on. He's like, that's how many lines I have in the story, Chris. Chris is like, well, sorry. Nobody likes your character, Gan. You're the least likes of all the characters on the show, including Zen. Just reduces his lines even more to spite him. No, no. I think they just kill him off to spite him. <laughs> David, uh... Your character's not popular, so we're going to be cutting your part, and we're going to be cutting your pay until you make your character more popular. So uh, get to work, David. I mean, if I was... Whatever. We'll, we'll, we'll talk about Gan's death, which I already spoiled, so why not just say it next week? So, yeah, Villa gets sent down to work in the mines as well, and he's like, I don't like hard work. When he's at the teleporter pad, he asks Callie for another hit of that Soma, so I guess he's addicted now, and Callie's like, no, I'm not giving you any more, Villa. No. <laughs> yeah, Callie's becoming one of my favorite characters. Callie's uh, great. Yeah. Now that they're actually doing things with her, or at least giving her lines and kind of making her the voice of reason. And the most reasonable character... She's the least criminal still. She hasn't done anything major yet. I mean, I know you keep alluding to something that she does later that may change that opinion, but as of right now, she's... Right. I mean, she's also... She's been involved in, like, the deaths of countless people that these people have killed, but, you know, maybe not directly. By Blake's orders. (laughs) They were Blake's orders. She was only following orders. (laughs) Yeah, it doesn't really justify it. Anyway, we get some scenes of them working in the mines. Um, The commissar says... That after a few work cycles, Blake and his crew will be more than happy to help them. Mm. But I guess he just doesn't know how stubborn Blake is. <laughs> so they're, they're working in the mines. Uh, the conditions are extremely cramped and dirty and bad. Blake doesn't have a shirt on anymore. <clears throat> right. We neither get, does Villa, for the record. <laughs> uh, neither does Jenna. No, no. <laughs> uh, <laughs> we get the information that 10% of the people who go work in the mines die. Mm-hmm. I think it was due to radiation or some poisoning or something. Something like that, or just the bad conditions. Right, and they there's a scene where Federation guard comes and gives them food, which just looks like a giant bowl full of gruel, <laughs> and they all just sort of go at it in in no order. It's just every man for himself, I guess. And then Blake steps in. He's like, "No, no, no, we gotta we gotta bring order to this. Everyone gets a handful in order." And they all listen to they him. They all just agree. I, yeah, I, I didn't get this. I didn't get their agreement. Why did they all just listen to Blake, this newcomer who's not even one of them? Because he's Blake. Also, the people who go first are definitely going to get more. Yeah, probably. Gonna, I mean, they're going to take a bigger handful. Yeah, they're going to take a bigger handful, and the people at the end are going to get screwed. <laughs> well, that's how capitalism works. Yeah. People who get in first get the most and the best, and then they just screw everybody over who gets in second or third. Yeah, but I mean, is this distribution of the gruel like capitalism? Maybe it is. Like in some ways, it probably is. But I don't know. I mean, it's not communist. Well, or socialist. I, yeah, I just I didn't know why they all listened to Blake. I guess they also all just speak the same language. We were wondering about the language in the Federation. Maybe they have like episode. a common tongue. Yeah, they probably have a common language and then individual languages. So then Callie Orax spits out some information is like, hey, would have been useful for Blake and Jenna to know this. And Callie's like, wow, you're right. It really would have been helpful for Blake and Jenna to know this. Guess I'll just go tell them myself since they're not responding to my hails on my communication, you know, on their communication wrist things. Avon again is like, they're dead. You and me can leave, Callie. <laughs> Callie's like, no, they're not dead. Yeah, she can feel it. Avon doesn't. This was also weird. Avon doesn't agree with Callie's 
supernatural assessment of the situation, even though he knows she has supernatural powers. He just wants to leave. <laughs> I think he just wants as to leave. As soon as she leaves, he turns to Orak and he's like, what's the... What's Fire the, up the engines, no, no, Orak. Yeah, We're yeah. out of here. No, no. What's the maximum number of like Federation ships I could hold off alone in the Liberator? Orak's like, three. And then later on, there's a couple scenes and then we cut back to Avon and then Zen's like, Federation patrol incoming. And Avon's like, how many ships are there? And Zen's like, three. And Avon's like... Avon just like smiles and he's like, of course there is. <laughs> anyway, Callie is also not acting as intelligently as she should be because she's like, hey, I'll just go down to this planet where uh, our friends have been cut off from contact with us by myself to the same place that everyone else went down to. We also didn't mention the scene, which is something we've never seen before, where Villa is teleported down, but his his feet aren't on solid ground. He's sort of on a slope, and he <laughs> just sort of stumbles. Yeah. Which is kind of funny, I guess. Yeah, because I guess the, the teleporter room on the... Uh liberator is flat but that begs the question if you get teleported on a teleporter on a on a slanted on like a slope to the liberator teleporter room does one of your feet end up inside the floor or do you end up with one foot like above the ground well the federation is mostly just rock quarries flat beaches desert type places and facilities so mostly but if you get like if you get teleported on a ladder do you just beam into midair in the middle of the liberated teleporter room and then just fall down like a foot to the ground or or what i mean probably didn't brian blessed get teleported into space in, oh into space but didn't he get teleported in like holding a gun on someone or something I yeah like, i don't know but yeah, that's not that important. Anyway, Callie gets captured right away. <laughs> Except she's psychic, so she they think she's like a shaman because she reveals all this information from Orak that she shouldn't know. And Rose like, wait, what? How do yeah, you know this? Rose says she's a mystic, and the commissar says, "I thought you'd abandoned those stupid beliefs." And Rose which like, yeah, is right. also weird because the Federation knows that some people have supernatural powers. Yeah, they know about Callie's entire planet, right? Because Callie mentions her planet, knows about the Federation, and the Federation like tried to take their planet over. Right. Maybe this is just another one of the Commissar's ways of controlling them or something. But She communicates whatever. telepathically with Roe, and he's like, whoa, what the hell? It's just stirring dissent. Commissar killed your father, and he's going to kill you too, which Rose's is true. Like, what? But Roe already has his doubts. We also didn't mention that Roe's fiancé uh was in disagreement with something the commissar said so she was sent to work in the mines mm -hmm. uh, until she agrees which uh, upon which time she can become the queen as was promised to her or something yeah she had a name but i forgot what it was yeah, and, uh, like blake, assistant. yeah uh, blake and co meet her in the mine as well she's like she says she'd rather die than assent to whatever it was they wanted her to agree with so rose starts to basically believe blake and his posse and then avon because now the federation ships show up and he's like well i can't freaking control the liberator alone i'm gonna have to go down and rescue them he unlike everyone before him beams down to a different location than they did so he doesn't get seen by the camera and then he blows up the camera and shoots a federation guard yeah he kills a bunch of guards so he's he's not caught off guard by the guards and then he shoots a guard like he shoots someone who's coming out of the caves it turns out to be blake it like blows up his spear and blake's like missed 
And Avon's like, hmm. Yeah, because Blake is leading some uh, a rebellion, I guess. <laughs> and they find their way Classic out of the mines, Blake. I think. I didn't really, maybe I didn't pick up on what was going on or wasn't. maybe I wasn't paying enough attention, but I didn't remember them saying like, yeah, there's a way out of the mines or something like that. I, think I don't remember just, them either. I think they just went for it. Yeah. YOLO. <laughs> right? Anyway, I, I completely forgot until, again, I was listening to making, or not making Blake 7. <laughs> making um, Blake 7. No, I was listening to Blake 7 in character. I completely forgot that Chris Boucher and Paul Darrow were big Western fans, so it totally makes sense why Avon gets to do all the gunslinging, it seems like. Yeah. So, Blake is like, well, Avon was obviously aiming to kill me, probably. Better keep an eye on him. Uh, so, they meet up, and then they teleport out, and they teleport back. Well, just, Blake, just, Blake, just, Blake just Blake teleports back. Reminds me of Shadow when he teleported out and he came back. It's like, I changed my mind. Yeah, Roe has already told the commissar that, you know, he's not going to go along with them anymore. He wants uh, he wants real control of his own planet or something to that effect, I guess. And then he ditches and he comes back in his traditional garb. garb. Because he's been wearing, we forgot to mention, he's been wearing like... Federation, uh, Federation uniform that the commissar and the assistant commissar are also wearing. Right. It's not like any other Federation uniform we've seen before, but it it's is. It's like a, maroon. Yeah. But he comes back, he's wearing the sort of feather crown thing. And uh, what's her face? The fiance character was also wearing feathers. So I guess that's sort of their thing, feathers. Yeah. I mean, I don't know what their actual, like, you know, working class middle class or what their actual citizens wear these are royalty right so yeah i think so well the 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 regular people also seem to have like dreads or like longer hair of some sort mm, the regular people have also been working in the mine and presumably didn't have access to a shower for the yeah, past yeah probably anyway uh, blake yeah. kills the commissar or the assistant commissar i don't remember which and then roe kills the other one with his dart Except it's not a sleeping dart this time, it's a poisonous dart. Oh yeah, and they teleported Gan out too. He was like knocked out, yeah. but they teleported him out. Yeah. Yeah, Roe kills the commissar, Blake kills the other guy. And, and then, the commissar, uh, his last words are like, I thought we were brothers or whatever. Which was another weird line because they, it seemed more of a father-son dynamic before. Because, you know, he was his teacher and stuff like that. So, you know, whatever. Yeah. But yeah, Roe's not having any of that. And Blake tells Roe, like, hey, the Federation is going to come and basically destroy your planet for this, you know? And he's like, we'll take that chance. We can fight. So they probably just doom themselves. Mm-hmm. Which is really sad when you think about it. Like, there are choices either to doom themselves via Well, the Federation's not the coming Federation. back for another year, right? So oh, yeah. <laughs> they've got a year at least to prep up. They can Magnificent Seven it. Except they have a year instead of a week. <laughs> So arguably they're in a way better position to win this fight than... Yeah, and they don't have Chico mucking about. <laughs> <laughs> well, we don't know that. Maybe they have a Chico stand-in as one of their people. And then we get this really weird tacked-on scene that's also probably there for time. But so they're like there, and then the, the Federation ships are just plowing straight towards the Liberator, and Blake's like, just put up the force wall, we'll tank the hits. <laughs> and they're like, wait, what? Didn't they say they would shoot him down? I think they did because when they they we get this shot of the view screen and you see the Federation ships coming head on. I guess they're in a straight line based on how you see this. Because we see one, it gets shot down. The next one sort of comes on as well. This one gets closer and then it sort of blows up. And then the third one gets even closer and that one blows up. So I think what was going on was they were all 
each one was getting progressively closer and they were shooting them down closer to build up tension like oh no they're almost going to get rammed you know the federation ships are like a tenth of the size of the liberator and would be destroyed <laughs> they'd be destroyed on contact because it'd be like a fly hitting a dog <laughs> and then it just ends <laughs> There's a I forget what Villa actually says at the end, but there actually is sort of a a, a line to wrap it up. Oh, Villa, right, Villa says uh, that you know whatever Blake has them do next, it'll be better than work. So that's that's a better, more not succinct, a better way to wrap it up than we've really ever seen so far. You know the typical line like "Standard by two, Jenna" or something like that. <laughs> well, get to work, boys. <laughs> Yeah, but, but yeah, it's still kind it's still of just, just ends. A, yeah, it's still just an abrupt Blake Seven type ending. Uh, and Gan, Gan's just there in the final scene, like off to the side, <laughs> kind of. Oh right, we never found out what Gan was training for because the reason why Gan wasn't in the bridge <laughs> in the first scene was, I mean, the in-universe reason. Obviously, it was because of the poor planning that went into Series B. But he was off in the teleport room training under Orak, but we never find out what he was training for. Yeah. And Jenna says that Orak can't possibly be the best teacher, and Gan's like, that's okay, I'm not the best student myself. <laughs> <laughs> Math, maybe. Or how to control his limiter. Or how to do anything, really. How yeah, to do we, anything. I mean, we really we don't know what it is. So it's just left open. Uh, rankings for the story. How to bypass the limiter. How to bypass the limiter. He already knows how to do that, remember? <laughs> I think I'm enjoying this right. in Deliverance. That line is never gonna... He's never gonna be able to live that line down. Well, he doesn't live for much longer, so it's okay. <laughs> oh, no. Alright, rankings for the story. I, uh, I ranked the story... So, like, when you view the Liberator, you typically see it from, like, a side angle. But in the story, for whatever reason, the director... What was his name? Almost said Johnny Lee Miller. Jonathan Wright Miller shoots the Liberator like head-on frontal view at the beginning of the story. Uh-huh. And that's my ranking for the story is a full frontal view of the Liberator. It's like the story is things we've seen before and they're good things, but from like a different angle through a different lens. All right. I mean, that's pretty good. And you seem to always choose something from the episode, which is probably better than what I do. But, you know, whatever. All right. So I'm giving this one an ORAC. And uh, yeah, I've given a... I've given a Rate or I've rated episodes as specific characters before, namely Gan. But uh, yeah, this is this is an ORAC to me because you know it's something similar to what we've seen before. Again, like what we mentioned with Bounty, um, and again what we mentioned with you know the rock quarry sets of Blake Seven. But you know a little uh, sort of slightly different touch, just how or like how ORAC is sort of a slightly different touch on Zen. I mean, I would argue that ORAC is a very different touch on Zen. Zen's not. Since Orac's not telepathic and Zen is not hooked into all the computers, but yeah, I get, I get what you're saying but, though. No, but they're not really using that thing where Orac yeah. is, is uh, just how they didn't really use Zen. I think they kind of used it in this story though to find out that the commissar killed Rose's father. I think that's how Orac figured that out. Well, that was... Callie also read the commissar's mind, so <laughs> I mean that too. But <laughs> and I, we didn't mention this, but Avon actually puts a lot of questions to Orac. Yeah. Which he's finding out probably by being connected to a bunch of other computers. Yeah. But yeah, I mean, they didn't even Zen's telepath, not telepathic, his psychic abilities are really underused too, which is a shame. Yeah. But yeah. uh, yeah. 
So uh, overall, I guess it was good but not great. Series 2 is off to an interesting start. Series B, sorry. Uh, and people call it Series 2 as well. It's, you know, Season 2, Series thing. 2. Season B, maybe? <laughs> series B? Season. What's another thing that's like second in its order? People typically uh, use blue yeah. to represent two, I guess. I've never heard that before. <laughs> Back in high school when one? I did comedy sports, uh, the ref would break the audience into groups. He'd be like, you're group one and you're group A, so neither of you is better than the other one because you're both first in your respective lists. I mean, you could call it series one if you're going like zero, one, zero, 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 one. Like, I don't uh, yeah, know. I guess you could use binary. <laughs> so you could call you call season two season one. <laughs> Except it would be it would actually be season uh, one one be season eleven because you would have a you would have a bit for just one and that so that bit would be set for one for series one oh, and then okay, for two right. actually it'd be one zero I guess it'd be ten because uh, you'd have the bit for two set and the bit for one off and then series three would be eleven and then four would be uh, one hundred I guess. Okay, I mean I was like you went the other way around like. Yeah, uh, which way you read binary? Depends on what purpose you're using it for, actually. Uh, whether you but read it left to right or right to left. We so. don't need to get into that. Because no. the episode is over. Yeah. You can email us at thedoctordecadivestible.com. Questions, comments, concerns, angry rants, love letters, your thoughts on the commissar and Rho. Rho is a letter of the Greek alphabet. You can find us on YouTube at Decorative Vegetable. You can find us on Apple Podcasts and Google Play at Zenith Blake 7 Podcast. Be sure to leave a rating if you like the show. And next week, like we said, just in case you missed it, we're going to have Sergeant Drano on the show, so it'll be our first uh, more than two people hosting the show. It should be exciting. Looking forward to it. Yep. Check us out on Facebook. Trust your doctor. Like us on Facebook. Also check us out on Twitter at TYD Podcast and follow us on Twitter. And next time we're watching Pressure Point. But until then, the end. <laughs>